So today's guest, he has completed the AT, the PCT, and the CDT, and a couple other through hikes that I'm sure we're going to get into as well. I think the West Highland Way was one of your more recent ones as well. But not only that, he's super talented with videography and photography as well, if you ever go on his Instagram page. So I'm super, super stoked to have him on here. Welcome to the podcast, IB Tat. Thanks for having me out, brother. <laughs> Matt, dude. And like I said, I was telling him before this, I've been following his content for years. And I just wanted to tell the story, even though I just repeated it to him. But he had a daily blog. Uh, well, he has daily blogs with all his through hikes, but particularly with the PCT. One of his catchphrases was, back on trail, man, shit. And I was watching it with my ex, my girlfriend at the time. And every time we'd go hiking, I would always say that phrase and it would really piss her off. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work back on trail. The, the shit at the end really adds gold, I think. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's so gold, dude. I freaking love it. So yeah, man, I just want to thank you for the fantastic content you've done over the years. And yeah, man, what do you think about that? I mean, you've been doing this now for four or five years. About? Yeah, right. I think, I think I started my YouTube channel back. 17 i want to say but that didn't start through hiking until 2018 so if you go way 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 back on my youtube channel those first videos i haven't taken them down there's videos of me like working out mountain biking doing like weekend trips so i did have that channel established and then when i started through hiking so my daily i started coming in 2018 but yeah i've been doing it pretty much every year minus covid 2020 yeah I dude, I remember because when I, I finished your PCT ones, and I actually went back in some of your older videos to see the comparison of you from the PCT to like, you know, when you were doing your weekend hikes, and it was I think you were doing like the hey the Buckeye Trail or whatever the heck it is, something like that, or or something, someone on the East Coast, some hike on the East Coast that was like maybe forty miles, fifty miles, something like that. I did uh, the tour when I did. Uh, Maybe South Carolina. I did the Wells Trail. That was on a three-day hike. But I spent. Yeah. A, I was living in North Carolina, yeah. And so uh, the I've liked the trails. This where I was my weekend trips mostly. So yeah, I hit a lot of those short sections down there. Yeah, yeah. Dang, it's so cool. Do you ever look back on like your old videos and be like, dang, that came a long I, way. I I do. I I mostly look at you know, and that's why I started doing those videos. I didn't think anybody would watch it, but honestly, I know you hear that's a bullshit answer. You hear that a lot by creators like, oh, I just, you know, I just did this for, but it was true. I started it as a video journal for myself and then it, it snowballed. But yeah, I, I, I made those videos from the beginning so that I could go back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now and watch my fight. And I do go back and watch, watch select videos from time to time just to bring me back to that moment because when I've been off trail for months on end, yeah. I need, I need that stimulation. I need, I need to bring my mind back on the trail. And that's why I do go back and watch those from time to time. Oh, like that gave me the chills right there, man. Oh. That's hundred percent. Like before I gear up for a trail, I'll watch some of my older videos yeah. and stuff to get back in that mentality at least. Right. Cause it's like yeah. a different mentality to get into. And you know, do you ever, have you ever went back? Cause this was a, a later question I wanted to get into, but one of the, the best, you know, obstacles always create a really good story. One of the best stories from your hikes, in my opinion, was the end of the PCT. Yeah, that was a gnarly one. <laughs> oh, dude. So can you tell people like what transpired there? Starting with losing your camera, I believe in like Stevens Pass area or something like that. And then yeah, from there to the end. Thanks for bringing up that. That's all. I'm sure trying to forget that memory, but yeah. So, yeah. So, it all, I guess it all, if you want to go from there, that's where the, the, the shit show started was the, at Stevens Pass up there in Washington. I got caught in a blizzard up on, you get up on the pass, then you go down Stevens Pass into the ski resort there. So, up on top of that peak before I headed down, it started sideways, snow, sleet, and it was basically a whiteout. The night before that, we'll backtrack a little bit. The night before I camped by a lake, it was like seven miles out. I probably should have pushed it into Stevens Pass that day, but it's been pissing on me for six, seven, eight hours straight yeah. nonstop. And I got to this lake, I'm like, screw it. I'm done hiking for the day. It's only seven miles. I'll just push that seven miles in the morning to, well, it turned out to be a bad decision because I woke up that morning and there was about two, three feet of snow on the ground. It just hit overnight. And uh, all my shit was wet from the day before. So I basically just packed up my shit and I, I started booking it. Once I got up to that pass, 
before you head down into the, into the steers or I, I was discombobulated. I had a beer and you know, this, yeah. my fingers were numb and I was tripping on my face all the time. So you couldn't see the trail. It's all reeds and stuff, very narrow single track going down that pass. And I couldn't see shit. So I was falling on my face constantly. One of those particular times I fell on my face, I had my camera on a capture clip, right? On my shoulder strap. I fell and my camera, the bullet had come loose. It fell into a snowbank, but I was so discombobulated. I didn't even notice it. I got up, just started booking it down the path. So my hands were numb, you know, I wasn't until I got down to that pass that I realized my camera was missing. I looked back up at that pass. I'm like, I ain't going back up. Can't go back. My camera. Yeah. No. So at that point I lost it. But yeah, that was the start of the end, I guess, of the PCT. And from there on out, it was just snow, you know, just, just postal, like basically candy. Yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a nightmare, but yeah. So going forth from there, you know, I, I, I got my berries. I bought some new snow gear. Cause I knew I was going up into some shit after that. So I wanted to buy new rain pants, new boots, and, you know, cold weather gear basically. And I was, ro- I was rolling solo at the time. I'm not a, I wasn't very comfortable hiking in snow at that point. I had gone through the Sierra, obviously, but I did that with a partner and I just don't feel comfortable going out there solo with those kind of conditions. I mean, it's, it's stupid to you for one, safety and not safety and numbers. So I was sitting at the McDonald's. I remember, I think it was in Washington and I was trying to recruit hikers to go out with me. I mean, everybody's bailing it like, cause they're like, screw up this, our hike is done. I'm not going back out in the snow. So I'm asking all these hikers, you want to go, you want to go. Nobody wanted to go. So I'll say, fuck it. I'm going out solo, I guess. So my, my buddy who I had hiked around on the Appalachian show for a while, Beats, he had joined up with the crew and they had gone out. I knew they had gone like one or two days before that. So I, in my head, I'm thinking maybe I can text those guys. So basically I pushed the big mile days, the first two days out solo and happened to catch up with those guys. No way. Um, yeah. I just ran back. I heard some voices and it was like a sigh of relief. I'm like, holy shit. I, I finally caught up with these guys. So it was like four of us to begin with. And then we made a pack together. We're like, we're going to do the do. We have to crawl through this fucking snow. We're going to make it to Canada. So that's basically what we did. For the last, last like 120 miles, I would say at the PCT, it was, uh, it was snow, blizzard, you know, postal and that kind of gosh, dude. Cause, yeah. and then, and then didn't you have to take shelter in a, in a, maybe we shouldn't have this on the, on air, but the, the park ranger service house or something like that. Yeah. So, so what happened there? So you get the hearts pass, right? Hearts pass is about 60 miles to the Canadian border. Yeah. There is a ranger cabin there and there's a road leading up to it. That's it's, it was like a 20 mile road walk though. If you were to do that, it was buried in snow. There was no traffic getting up there. So. Up until the hearts pass, we had got caught in a three day long blizzard. I mean, we were like shoveling out snow to get our tents down every night. And so we hiked through that blizzard and then we came up on this ranger cabin in hearts pass. All our shit was wet. It was like hypothermia, you know, frostbite. My fingertips were frostbite. So we saw this ranger cabin and there was a, a bathroom adjacent to this cabin. We, we were going to post up in that bathroom, right? We opened the door. Somebody had sprayed the walls with shit. It was fucking gnarly in there. We're like, and it was tiny. So we're like, we're not fitting four dudes in a small bathroom. Right. One of my buddies, one and then lock on there. And they're like, screw it. Let's, let's, let's just get in this cabin. So we broke the padlock, went in there. They had a So we were able to melt snow because there's no water. There was the snow for water. Waited out that blizzard for a night, dried out all our shit, and then pushed out the last 60 miles. What the snow had, the storm had passed. And allowed us to get the, the last 60 miles done. But I mean, it wasn't easy. We still got caught in sleet and all that stuff, the 60 miles to the border. But because we had all our stuff dried out, as wonderful, I guess. Yeah, totally. Now, was that like the most gnarliest portion of trail you've done? It was one of them for sure. You know, the San Juans and uh, the Sierra, I think the Sierras were both, were both bad. Like I said, I, I was not an experienced snow hiker. You know, I spent like the majority of the last day hiking in the South. So that, that snow hiking up in elevation is, is, is still terrifies the shit out of me. Um, the reason why that stretch of the PCT was so bad though, was because all our gear was wet. And, and like I said, my fingertips were frozen and, and it's funny. We had reached out, we had put a note on the door that. Ranger cabin saying there's a party floor going out there. We had hit up on GPS telling you know, search and rescue that we were out there. They basically told us, well, they're not coming to get us. Like you shouldn't be out there. You're on your own. So when you're that deep into a through hike, still close to the border, 
there's not much that's going to stop you from reaching the end. You know, right. I mean, yeah. If I had a if I had a broken ankle, I would have crawled it. You know, as right. as stupid as that sounds, I would have done it. You're so invested in these through hikes, months in. There's there's not much that's going to stop you. So we were going to go one way or get a ball. It was it was a bad stretch of trail, one hundred percent. Dude, massive respect though, okay. and I I encourage every. I'll, I'm going to link up those episodes in the show notes because that was such a gnarly finish, man. I loved it. I loved it. But those obstacles create the best stories. I was going to say it's, it's such going through it at the time, but those those moments were great. The best stories for for sure. Yeah, yeah, dude, I love it. So your trail name is Ibitat. Correct. Now, can you tell the the listeners what that means and then why you kind of you you have that as your name? I guess. So when you when you look at me, I mean, obviously I'm covered in ink. Most people assume the tab stands for tattoos. Nowadays, I just let people assume that because the story I'm about to tell you, I've told probably three thousand times in the last right. five years. But it is right. a good story, so I don't mind telling it. So when I started my YouTube channel, before I started through right. writing. I was thinking of names, the name I Kim Chan. Of course, a normal name, but one of my favorite, the fa- my favorite movie of all time is Jeremiah Johnson. I don't know if you're familiar with this movie, but basically yeah, the premise, fr- the premise of the movie, Robert Redford stars in it. He plays a mountain man, a fur trapper. He's being attacked by Blackfoot Indians the whole movie. Later in the movie, he's sitting down around a campfire with his mountain man buddy, and his buddy says, "You know, Jeremiah, maybe you gotta get out of the mountains, go down to the town where it's safe." And he looks at him dead in the eye and he says, "I've been to a town." Meaning he'd rather be up here in the mountains being attacked by Indians than going to a fucking town because it's boring life down there. I thought that was the coolest line of all time. So I be tasked stands for I've been to a town. And and that and then when I started through I think you know, people knew me from YouTube at that point, so it stuck as a trail name. I love it, dude. I feel like it so accurately just depicts you too. And, and not just me, but a lot of through hikers, you know. We do towns are nice for about a half a day, maybe a day if your body's like, but any through hike will tell you, you spend enough time in town, your, your legs start twitching. You're like, I got to get moving. You know, the town, the showers are nice. The all you can eat buffets are nice, but that shit wears off real quick. You know, we all would rather be out there in the mountains, hooking up, you know, hook out, hooking up hill, eating rabbit noodles out of a fucking titanium cup. It's just the way we do things. It's, you know, you're like, my legs, seriously, I'll be sitting in a town at a coffee shop or something, and my legs will literally start twitching. Like, this is not normal. I need to be, I need to be walking. You know, it doesn't yeah. feel right. So do you, in the winter for me, it particularly becomes tough because I'm not doing a lot of stuff. I mean, right. I have some winter activities, picked up split boarding, things like that, but I get very anxious and like wanting to do adventures in the winter. How how does that work out for you in the winter? What do you do? So like I said, I've been in the South, basically North Carolina, Georgia, you know, a decade pretty much. But I was I was craving out west again because I had lived in Montana previously. And when, I lived in Montana for four years, so I'm no stranger to the snow. I grew up in Michigan. Obviously, there's a lot of snow there, but I miss the big mountains of, of Colorado. So one, that's why I'm, I'm based on Colorado now. I will say this: I I I still don't like it. I still don't like snow activities. I grew up an ice fisherman, cross country skiing, that type of thing. But like mountaineering stuff, it's never really appealed to me. I like being on dry trail. So I did get out for, I got out for day hikes over the winter here in Colorado, but it's nothing, nothing serious. Right on, dude. Where are you at in Colorado? Asses Park. Dude, I'm like, I'm in Laramie, Wyoming. I'm like probably two hours away from that. Yeah, not too far. Yeah. Dude, sweet, man. We should link up sometime. That'd be dope. And you're a, so you're a mission. How long were you in Michigan for? Born and raised. Born born and raised. I moved. I think I was like 28. Moved out. And then. Yeah, I moved up to uh, I moved up to Texas for a couple of years. Just did construction jobs down there. Hated it. I missed the trees. I was down in Corpus Christi on the coast. I spent two years living on the beach, longer step foot in once. I give two shits about the ocean. I need I need mountains. I need trees in my life. So when I was living in Texas, my old boss from Michigan he used to go fly fishing in Montana, right at this ranch, Northwest Montana. He got me in touch with the owner. He says, you want to go be a ranch can in the middle of fucking nowhere? I said, hell yes, sign me up. And I can, this is a funny story, too. I mean, I, my whole life is based on fake it till you make it. I was doing a, a job interview for this ranch right over the phone. And it, obviously, we're doing pack trips up in the Bob Marshall Wilderness on, on horses with mules and stuff. This woman, the woman, she says, 
well, how much horse experience do you have? Because that's kind of a big part of the job. I said, oh, shit, I grew up around horses. I grew up in fucking Detroit. I'd never been on a horse maybe like once or twice in my life. She's like, oh, you'll be just fine. So she bought me a plane ticket. I flew up to Montana. I had to tell her I didn't know shit about horses. But that you learn you learn on the fly. So within like two weeks, I was guiding clients up in the Bob Marshall Wilderness on horseback and doing fly fishing trips and things like that. So I freaking love yeah. it. But I was up there. I was I was up there for four years. Got sick of the winters up there and decided to move back down south. Sure. Went down to North Carolina so I could still have some mountains to play around with. And that's actually where I found three hiking was in North Carolina, up on the Appalachian Trail. Sure, sure that makes sense. Yeah. Being from the Midwest, I'm also from I'm from Wisconsin. So did you ever have that yearning to go out West? Like for me, when I was growing up in Wisconsin, I would watch these hunting programs, obviously hunting's huge in the Midwest. And I would, I would also hunt myself, but you know, you kind of have private land there and it's like 40 acres and you can't go anywhere else. And it was like, I would always be like, oh my gosh, I want to go out West. Did that ever happen to you when you were in Michigan? Yeah, and I think it's almost in our DNA. Hey, back when everybody headed with man, when when after Lucy Clark got back, it's like, what's out there? It, it's it's that mindset of it's the it's the frontier, man. And even though it's obviously today it's not like it was back then, but it's still the idea of moving west. You know what I mean? It's a it's a romantic thing you put in your head. I'm not gonna live in the big mountains and the walking blind bullets. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's still there. And you live out here and you see these big ass mountain peaks, snow covered mountain peaks behind you. And you feel, yes, I'm in the West. This is badass. I know, dude. Personally, I could never move back to the Midwest. I could yeah, never do it. I mean, I I'll never move back to Michigan. I'm never I've been back since I moved out. It's just I guess I have to be, I will say this. Having lived in the South and in the West, what I've come to is I just need mountains. I don't really care. You know, North Georgia, Western North Carolina, Montana, Colorado, whatever. It's just mountain play around. And my Instagram stayed by mountains is quite literal. It comes in my life to to be happy and and stay sober and and everything else. So at this point in my life, I don't, I can do, I can move south as long as I need those peaks to go. 100%. I I literally was just writing down your Instagram handle because I wanted to put that as a note as you said that. So your Instagram handle is saved by mountains and i would be remiss if we didn't touch on this subject at all i'm actually three and a half years no drinks actually i i grass you know, dude that's awesome yeah so it, it's pretty cool i i don't know if i'll ever never have a drink again but i will say this my life in the last three and a half years has exponentially increased in mm-hmm. success mm-hmm. or whatever I mean, for success for me anyway is that a correlation could be right. So it's very possible. It is. Yeah. Cause I had all this time back and yeah. feel better and all that. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about your journey with that, man. Like how did that go? Where did you, you know, what was that breakthrough moment for you? And I know you've discussed this on many podcasts. I just think my, my audience would enjoy it too. Oh, I love talking to you about it because it's, it's one of the most important parts of my life. And another reason I do yeah talk about my life video this there's gonna be somebody out there that can relate to her and back when i was trying to get sober i i did this all on my own i didn't have youtube inspiration i just did it on my own and i know how hard that was so if i could help anybody out there that's that's why i put my life out there there on the internet but the answer to your question though i was basically an alcoholic from the time i picked up a drink okay i was a binge drinker through college but then it, it quickly snowballed by the end of it i've been basically an alcoholic, I would say heavy drinker, relied on alcohol for about 15 years. Okay. Well, the turning point, I mean, I had multiple rock bottoms. I tried everything under the sun to get sober. I went to AA, I went to talk to a pastor, you know, everything, nothing worked for me. I finally decided it was the day after my birthday in 2013. I was living up in Montana. I had gone out for my birthday. Until you got shit faced, drinking scotch all night. Don't remember a damn thing. I woke up the next morning. This is a dead away, right? December in Montana. All my windows in my house were wide open. The door was wide. My dog was outside in the snow, freezing and shivering. My tables were tipped over. Picture frames were off the wall. I don't remember a damn thing. That morning, I looked in the mirror and I started bawling my eyes out. And I said, that's it. I'm fucking done with this shit. And I went cold turkey from there on out. Now, I probably shouldn't have done that because at that point, my body was pretty reliant on alcohol. I went through about two weeks of withdrawals. 
throwing up cold sweats, the whole nine. Once I got past that, that initial, you know, throwing up and all that stuff, like you said before, you had all, you have all time on your hands now. I had been a drunk for 15 years. I didn't know what to do with myself. I spent all my day waking hours drinking. So now I have all this free time. What the fuck do I do? Well, led me up in Montana, 30 miles from Glacier National Park. I had the best playground in the world right in the backyard. So I went down to the local outfitter. I bought a mountain bike. I bought a backpack and I started hooking around mountains. And that was the transitioning period for me. And the journey up that was the last five years. If without hiking, you know, I, I would be dead or in jail 100% at this point. And I notice when I, I get off trail and I go find a seasonal job, the longer I'm off trail, those old urges come back. I'll be an alcoholic the day I die. When I think about drinking these days, I don't think about having a glass of wine with dinner or going out for, you know, a steak dinner and a glass of whiskey. I think about getting a fucking bottle and downing that bitch. It's in my brain. So my addictive personality, I just switched it over into hiking. And rather than just becoming a daycare hiker, I said, fuck it, I'm going to hike across the country. It's, just, it's how my brain works. You know, I go full throttle with whatever I do. Yeah. So the last five years, it's just, I, I, it, it keeps me sober for one, being out in the woods, hiking around these long distances, but also my YouTube channel, it's given me a platform to inspire others to, who are struggling to say, Hey, look, you might've been to AA, it didn't work for you. You might've been to, you know, talk to a counselor, a therapist or whatever. Maybe you just go take a walk in the woods and, it, and that clears your heart and it might work for you too. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful it, stuff. Mother nature is, is a powerful bitch. It's, it saved my life. Yeah. It's like. So basically what you did was you had, you had, you got rid of the drinking and you had this giant space to plug, right? You could have plugged it with anything. Could have been video games, could have been other, another drug, could have been anything, right? You chose through hiking and that's been, sounds like it's been working for you. Yeah. So I, when I was, I moved in, like I said, I was, I was like about two years sober when I moved to North Carolina, became a weekend warrior. The way I found out about through hiking was I was doing a weekend trip on Max Patch, which the Appalachian Trail grows right over it. It's this big ball, 360-degree view of mountains in North Carolina. The AT goes right over it. I was, I was posted up there in my tent one night at Sunset. All these two dirt bags come up on, the, on Max Patch, set that shit right up next to me. And I got to talking to them, you know, sitting around, whatever. I said, what are you guys up to? And they're like, we're walking to Maine. Like, what? You walk, what are you doing? We're walking to Maine. I'm like, holy shit. I know anything about through hiking, you know? I know anything about the Appalachian Trail, really. So I was bullshitting with these guys all night. I went home from that weekend trip. And I just went full throttle nerd mode on the internet, started researching through hiking and all this stuff. And then the following year, I, I actually did half the Appalachian Trail from south to to about, actually, I got to about Harper's Ferry, I think. And that 2017, the following year, I decided I'm going to do the whole thing. But I didn't say I was going to do the Appalachian Trail. Once I, found out about this whole through hiking scene. I found out about the PCT and the CDT. And I said, I'm going to be a trouble crowner from the, from day one. I said, I'm going to do all three of them. So well, that was it. I haven't looked back since. <laughs> you love it, dude. I love it, man. All that's the all or nothing, right? Like the whole bottle or none. Right. And exactly right. Triple crown or none. <laughs> like, you know yep. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Freaking love it. So and then throughout that process, you have really doubled down on videography, but also your photography has like really, it seems like you've really went that direction a lot more recently, actually. What, what is it about photography for you that you find very engaging? It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's one way of documenting your trips. You know, I, when I started the AT, I, I didn't know anything about photography. I, I, I knew I wanted to take some photos to have memories for the Appalachian Trail. So I bought a point shoot camera. I said, at least it's not a cell phone. It's a, it's a legit kind of camera. And I was just taking random ass snapshots. I wasn't proud of them or anything. It was just the way I've documented it. So I look at it. It wasn't until I got on the PCT, I had upgraded to a full frame mirrorless camera. Yeah. And, and then I started taking these photos and I'm like, I was, I was kind of proud of these photos. I'm like, this is pretty cool what you can do with a camera. And then I, I, I really deep into it. And I started thinking, you know, like a photographer and composing my shots better and planning out sunset shots and, and, you know, and all this stuff. And then I just, like, like I said before, full throttle, I got back to the PCT and I just went on YouTube and I started nerding out on photography and that it's, it's become my passion over the last two years, I would say. 
Yeah, I absolutely love taking photos. Not, and I, I love taking video still too, but photography has definitely been pushed to the front for me. I, I absolutely love it. How do you feel like it enhances your pipe? That's a good question. And I've, I've been asked this a couple of times. The way I've been asked it is, you know, you're out there taking video every single day. You're taking all these photos and posting on Instagram all the time. Doesn't that take away from your hike? Or don't you just want to hike and relax and enjoy nature? Why do you have to post all this stuff all the time? I think it has the opposite effect, at least for me. I think because I take so many photos and I take video constantly, my eyes and my senses are always phoned into, into mother nature. And I'm, I'm looking at stuff I could photograph. So my, my senses are more tuned into nature, I think. I've seen many hikers, not to say this is a bad thing, but they'll come up on a view or a certain tree, the way the light's hitting a tree and they'll just burn right by it. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there with my camera for 15 minutes trying to get a photo of this damn tree, you know? So I think for me personally, it enhances my, my experience out there. I will say this though, it, there's been times I want to throw my damn camera off a mountain because I'm sick of doing it. You know, it's a grind filming every single day, setting up camera shots, walking past the camera 20 times a day on top of trying to beat the weather window through hike, pushing 20 plus miles a day. It does take a grind on you. But for me personally, I get so much satisfaction out of it. I'll never stop doing it. You know, I love it. The reason, the way I asked that question is because I knew that's how you're going to answer it. Because I remember hearing a podcast interview with you saying that. And that's like what tripped in my head where I was like, that's how now I explain it. Yeah. It, you, you have a different sort of eye for, I love your example of like, you get to a view spot and the, the way the light's hitting and mm. people could burn right by, by it. And you're like, oh my God, like this is golden hour. This is like the perfect time to get this shot and this composition. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're right. Yeah. When people say you have an eye for, for photography, that's exactly what it is. You notice little details in the woods that not a lot of people, people notice. Yeah. And recently you've been getting into like a lot of wildlife photography. Like yeah. you must have some long lens. Actually, I've seen one of your recent videos where you actually put a GoPro on mm-hmm. and you, you kind of go around and you see your, it's actually pretty cool. Like you see yourself in POV doing the long lens and stuff, getting yeah. coyotes and things like that, man. How, dude, how long does it take to get some of those shots? Like, are you posted up for a while trying to freaking get those things? Yeah. Wildlife photography is, is one of the most satisfying forms of photography, but it's also one of the most frustrating forms of photography. Any wildlife photographer, I'm not saying a professional wildlife photographer, but by any professional wildlife photographer will tell you, and just, you know, you watch these Nat Geo programs, of, right. you know, these guys taking videos of, of whatever out there, and these guys are posted up. Those guys are posted up for like months sometimes trying to get one single shot. For me personally, this is a hobby guy going out taking pictures of birds and elk and stuff. Yeah, I'll sit by a tree for a, a eight hours waiting for one shot. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. one, you have to have patience for it, and you cannot get pissed off. I mean, you can. I do it all the time, but you can't get so frustrated not getting a shot for a day that you give it up. You know what I mean? There's going to be days where you don't see a damn thing out there, but then there's going to be days out there where you're, like, you're popping up photos left and right because it's awesome. That whole experience of being close to nature and, and photographing animals. Yeah, that's recent and I absolutely love it. And I wish I could take that lens on a through hike, but it just weighs too damn much. Oh gosh. Can you imagine? Dude, yeah, you know, I considered it actually. I was I was so into it before I, I took my my hike last year that I was actually considering throwing that damn lens on my back and pole. But it's just not feasible for a through hike. That that lens alone weighs five pounds. So I, my camera's set up as of now without that lens for vlogging is about 12 pounds. So, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to carry the thing out through like, there's no yeah. way. What do you, what are you carrying for lenses on a regular through hike? Um, so I typically previous hikes, less, I guess since the CDT, I carry, I shoot Sony. So I shoot, I have a Sony a7 IV mirrorless camera. And then my main shooter, which I shoot with 90% of the time on the through hikes is a wide angle. 16 to 35. That's my main setup that lives on my shoulder strap 90% of the time. I do carry two other lenses on these through hikes. I carry a 70 to 200 zoom lens just to get some more compression in some of these shots when I'm taking those stupid selfies up on a mountaintop. Top. If you get a, a 70 to 200, you can get some good compression with the landscape, the backdrop, and, and yourself. So I just carry that. And then I, I got into Milky Way photography on the PCT. So I bought an astrophotography lens. 20 millimeter 1.8. I carry that for taking astro shots and Milky Way and stuff. And then my drone, obviously, I carry a drone as well. 
Did you ever think when you started through hiking, you'd be carrying three freaking lenses and a drone? Not at all. You know, you see people like Dixie and Darwin. Well, Darwin, something like Dixie, who she was out there with her cell phone for the Triple Crown mainly. So, yeah, yeah. cell phones will, will do the trick. But if, you, if you're if you a nerd like me and you're in the photography side of things, it's an addiction, man. It's it's you, There's never enough lenses. Yes, I could get away with carrying just one lens out there and, and make it work. But I, I just like having a variety. I, guess. I don't know. Hey man, you're all or nothing. All, all or, nothing. or nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my back, my my back hates me for sure. <laughs> but it's, I've gotten used to it over the last couple of years. Going out of town is the worst because you're carrying like five days of food on top of twelve pounds of camper gear and all all your other gear. So I try to eat the heaviest shit first in my pack the first couple of nights, and then my pack somewhat feels normal by that third day. Yeah, freaking love it, dude. No, I I love it, and it pays off in your videos and your photography. So keep it up, bro. Yeah, keep it up. Triple Crown. So you've done yep. that. You started doing the, like you just did the West Highland last year, I believe. And now when we were talking before, you said you have another trail planned overseas as well. How do they compare and contrast with the trails in the States? It's different. So yeah, Scotland, I went to Scotland last year. I actually hiked, uh, it's called the Scottish National Trail. The West Highland yeah. Way is, the West Highland Way is part of it. I've been wanting to go to Scotland for a while. And when I made the decision I was going to go over there and bike, I Googled what is the longest trail in Scotland I can do. The first thing that popped up was the Scottish National Trail. So what that trail is, it actually, they don't have a continuous footpath across the country, right? So what I, what it is, it combines six smaller popular trails within Scotland to make it a continuous footpath from south to north. So you're combining six trails to do it. West Highland Way being one of Cape Rat trails, a popular trail. That's where you end at. So to answer your question, it it is different. I guess the difference is compared to like the ATPCT and CDT, those trails are mostly a single track following the whole way, especially the the Appalachian Trail. Scotland in particular, there was many times there there isn't a trail. I was following a GPS route. I I downloaded before I went there. I was hiking this through open country, nobody around. That's another big shocker when I went over there. I think yeah. that trail was 540 miles. I saw maybe three day, day hikers the entire time. Right. The, the only time there was an influx of hikers on, on that trail was the junction to the West Highland Way. There's, it's like a hub, okay? And there's probably 30 hikers that were doing the West Highland Way. I was the only one doing the Scottish National Trail. So aside from that, you don't see people out there. It's It's just... Not to say that Europeans don't backpack, they do, but it's just not like the congestion you get on uh, these national scenic trails in the, in the States. Did you like that or did you find that, like, because I noticed for me, I, I actually enjoy the community. I didn't, mm. I didn't realize that till I went on a couple smaller through hikes. I'm like, oh, I actually do like seeing people out here. I like going solo because I'm not married to anybody on the trail, but I like, I do like meeting people. How, what was your perspective on that? I, I get that. And I'm a solo family. That time out there is for me. Okay. I, I don't want people around me. I have no problem camping with people, carrying some good conversations over the trail life and all that. I do enjoy that part of it. I do like going into trail towns and meeting some of the locals. And I did get part of that on the, in Scotland when you went in towns. But yeah, it's not like the community like you had, like I, let's say on the Appalachian Trail. That whole trail, I mean, if you want to talk about community, the Appalachian Trail is, is second to none on all of these trails. Okay. PCT, you got some good trail towns there too. But yeah, the Appalachian Trail experience and that whole hiking community is is where it's at in the really? States. I did not see that kind of environment over in Scotland, at least. I'm sure there is. It, it, there might be that kind of vibe, well, West Highland Way, but I was only on that trail for like a day and a half, so I didn't experience it. So yeah, that is different. And then I do get lonely out there from time to time. When you're hiking for days on end, months on end, and you haven't talked to anybody in like four yeah. or five days, you do Yo, crave that. You have interaction. And I can talk all day about being an introvert and I hate people and all this stuff. But yeah, I get I crave that human interaction too when I'm out there. It's small doses. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that about myself either until I was doing the JMT in 2020. And, and you know, that was during COVID. And there was like nobody. I was going northbound. So, and then there was nobody coming southbound either. And I was like not passing anybody. And I was like, dude, I'm freaking lonely, bro. Like I would be searching out for people. I'd be like, dude, like, you know, 
And I, that's when I realized, I was like, I, I actually really do enjoy the community, I think, aspect of it. It just keeps you company. It, it's like a podcast if you have somebody to talk to the whole time. Love yeah, and, and, and like I mentioned before we started here, for me personally, like where I'm at here, and I'm where I work here, I'm out of YMCA, and none of these employees I've met have ever, they don't even know what through hiking is. So you need, for someone had, for me, that's done multiple trails, I need to vent this shit out to other hikers. You know, maybe that's another big reason why you see so many repeated patterns on these trails. I've met guys that from the Appalachian Trail, I'll I'll meet these guys on trails randomly. You're seeing the same people out there because we're through hikers, man. You need to be around those kind of people. You need to talk hiking with people. And that's why I love doing these podcasts because I need to find out trail life, man. When you're in an environment where you're Talk about hiking, you, you crave that. Yeah. And that's, and that's a hard transition for folks like me to, to take when you get off these trails. And that's one of the hardest parts for me is transitioning back into the real world. You, you're not around that group of people anymore. You've been walking for six months talking about shitting in holes and hitting rocks and all the bullshit stuff that goes along with through hiking. And then when it's not there anymore, you miss that shit and you need to talk about it. Yeah. It's like kind of a double whammy when you get off a trail, huh? So it's almost like you get off a trail, you're not doing the physical stuff, but you're also not like having that human interaction either with the same type of people that you want to be around. No, it's, it's very, I want to say, I'm not comparing this to, to veterans because it's, it, it's apples to oranges, but I have a lot of veteran buddies I've hiked with too. I'm, I've gone to Afghanistan, Iraq, and I'll tell you the same damn thing. When you're over there, you know, in a war zone and you come back and transition the world, you're, you're. Like new group with these guys for a long yeah. time that do it we're working for a goal out there and then we don't have any more. That's why you see so many veterans come back and it's a mind fuck for them. It's the same thing with through hikers just on a, a milder way, I guess. Maybe that's why none of my romantic relationships work out. Because they're not through hikers. I gave up on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'll be I'll never get married. I'm married to the trail at this point, man. Hey, bro, just get on one knee for it. I mean, dude, that's that's what I would do. I mean, I don't even get me started on That could be a whole other podcast of marriage. Yeah. I got a good story for you after the podcast, actually. <laughs> so the Triple Crown, mm-hmm. and this is my last question before we get into the audience questions, then we'll wrap up. But the Triple Crown is like a huge thing in, I mean, if you're a through hiker, you know what that is. It's a lot of people's goals. Not many people have done it. After you achieve that feat, how did that, how has like those three experiences, how has that shaped your like perspective on just life in general and then your future goals? Good question. There's, there's many things that, you know, I tell people that if you, if you do like even one of these trails or even short trail like the AZT or JMT or any of these, these trails that you're out there for an extended period of time, it's going to change you in a big way. Bad or worse, or better or worse, it's going to change you. For me, it, 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 it teaches you to take a step back and realize what you need to be happy in this world. That's probably the biggest thing for me. You see so many people, I don't, people reach out to me like, I, I wish I could do what you do. You know what I mean? I wish I could just sell my house and you yeah. know, quit my job and go walk. Well, why can't you? I, I hear so many excuses from people why, why they can't do this. You know, I'm not special. Okay. I, I worked two full-time jobs for a year and a half to get on the Appalachian Trail. I had no gear. I, I worked my ass off and I said, I don't need a fucking house. I don't need this apartment. I don't need a car. Okay. I haven't driven in 10 fucking years. I decided I want to do this. I'm going to make it happen one way or another. And I tell people, if you want to do this trail, make the sacrifices because every person you see on one of these long trails has sacrificed big or small one way. Okay. I'm um, not saying you have to leave your family behind for six months, but you can downsize your life. And once you get on these trails, you will realize you, you eat, sleep, walk, and shit for six months. That is your entire life. Okay. And you, every thread you talk to is happier than a pig of shit out there. We don't have much. Everything we own is our backs. And we're happy as all hell. So for me, that's, that's the big one. It realized that I can live simply and be happy. I don't need a fancy house in the suburbs. I don't need to be working out a job that I'm have a good pension. I get two shits about that. Okay. Right now I want to be happy on the woods. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it also makes you take a step back and realize 
you know, that the stresses you, you experience in real life, being stuck in traffic and all this stuff. Yes, it sucks, but the big picture of things, I've fallen down mountains. I've had animal encounters. My life was in danger many fucking times on this trail and I'm still kicking. So when you, you're stuck in a red light and you're like, dense, my life sucks. Well, it's, it doesn't suck. Okay. It's, it's minuscule in the big picture of things. Dude, that was gold. I'm gonna, that's it, gonna be, it's, that's gonna be clipped it's, out. That's yeah. true, man. When you get off these trails and you see people stressing out about petty shit, it's like, dude, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, calm the fuck down. My we when we first moved to Laramie here about a month and a half ago, my then fiance, who's not my fiance anymore, will be the story that I'll tell you after here. We got catfished by this apartment, kind of, and it was just a shitty apartment holes in the, like we didn't see, we could we were from oregon so we couldn't see the apartment the pictures looked really good we got there it was totally opposite yes. she was very upset about it like to the point of really stressing out about the whole thing right and we were on a month-to-month lease and i was like why are, like i actually wrote in my journal because i've been journaling the last few months and i actually wrote in there i was like i believe that i now because i've went through some of these experiences like you just said I am more prepared to handle these little inconveniences of life because I look at it like, well, I have a roof over my head. It's not like I'm freaking getting snowed on and 60 mile an hour winds like on such and such mountain, right? And so looking at it from that perspective, I think when you do these hard things, you go through a piece, you know, the Washington section of the PCT in snow, a red light, not Not, not, that big of a deal, bro. But, but that, that's what the people's call it the, the real world. The real world is living out what, what we're doing through it. There's a real, okay. Everybody else, I, from my opinion is living in a fake fucking world and you're in this little bubble and you go to, you parse some time clock, your clock, you're chasing your boss's ass for what? It's like to make a few extra bucks to live in a bigger house. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Okay. Just if, you, if you're in a situation like that and you want to pull the trigger, just Make it happen, you know? Going back to the excuse thing, I have a wife and kids, and I have a husband and kids, and I have a mortgage. Well, can you downsize to an apartment? There's a start. Can you, you know, sell one of the vehicles and carpool as a couple? Yeah, you can do that. Do you have to go to Starbucks every day? No, you do not. You you just start making these small changes, and it'll lead you up to doing, you know, a month-long hike, which might turn into a two-month-long hike, which might turn into a six-month-long hike. There's ways around it. I've met people out on the trail in the nineties hiking. One of my favorite people in the world I've ever met is who goes by name. He's a Korean war veteran. He's hiked the Appalachian Hill, I want to say four times. When I met him, I met him twice on trail. He was hiking the year I was in 2018. I went to go back and work on the Appalachian Trail in Alphabetter in 2020. He was hiking it again. He was 91, I think at that time, still helping out balance. He just the hike. Well, take a look at I've met people out there with prosthetic legs through hiking. I've met blind people out there hiking with dogs. Yeah. There's a way, there's a way, you know, I mean, don't be so frustrated. Like I'll never do this. Forget about that shit. Make it happen. It seems like it's really made you question and reject what modern society has been preaching down our throats for years and years in school and all of that. If I knew I could do this way back in high school, I would have done this a long time. The only, the only, the only regret I have in life is that I didn't start through hiking until I was 37 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, dude, I, I think like endurance, I've all, I've run ultras and stuff and I'm like, dude, some of the best guys that are whooping my ass at 31 mm-hmm. are sixties. Yeah. Like that, oh, yeah. that those slow twitch muscle fibers, dude, I don't even mm-hmm. think you're in your prime yet. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, you know what I'm saying? It's funny you mentioned that. Endurance, I've been getting, not getting into it, but I actually bought a running vest a couple of weeks ago. I want to get into it. I wanted to, I want to run it all through. I think it's fascinating. And all these endurance athletes, I guess you could put through hikers under that blanket as well. It's an endurance sport, kind of, but it's, it's the same mindset. It's putting your body through pain and breaking through barriers. You know, endurance runners doing through hikers do it. It's, it's breaking through those barriers and your, the human body is, is amazing machine. It's capable of way more than people realize. And you, you need to put yourself through pain to realize that, unfortunately. And through hiking, endurance running, all that stuff will do that for you. And it, it translates in back into your normal life. You know, I mean, well, shit. When I, when I first got sober, I, I started to get into fitness where I started running. I couldn't run a damn mile without wanting to die. I'm like, this is bullshit. Okay. So I saw 
online in Montana. There's a little half marathon, like in four weeks or whatever it was. I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm running my half marathon. So I trained every single day and four weeks I ran a half marathon after not being able to run a mile. So you need to look at yourself and say, I can't do this right now, but if I put my mind to it, I put my, my heart and soul into this, I can make it happen. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I, I feel like trail running is such a natural transition to through hiking it and vice versa. Like that, that's how I got into it as well. And you're completely right, man. Like in order to break barriers, you must suffer. You must go through some sort, some type of suffering. But on the other side of that, you break that barrier and then you have the next one and yep. the next one. And that's like, especially with these endurance events, it gets longer or you, then you go from a day hike to a hundred miles to a through hike and stuff like that. It's all, it's all mindset. You look, you listen to guys like Dave against these types of dudes. Forget about the physical. That guy's a beast physically, but his mind is like the strongest of any individual you will ever fucking find. So the statistics on all these through hikes, if you want to look at statistics, it's about 80, 20, 80 people who start these hikes fail, 20% make it. The 20% that finish these long hikes are the strongest mentally, not physically. Okay. When you've been pissed on for four days in a row, or you've hiked through snow for a couple of weeks in a row, and you get into a town and you're, you're in a hot shower, a nice warm bed, and you look out the window and it's still doing that, you have to mentally say to yourself, I know how shitty it's going to be out there, but I don't care. I'm going to go back out into it. It's the mentally strong that finish those hikes. Same thing with endurance races. Your body is in hell, okay? But can you take another step? You probably can. You just have to tell yourself you can. That's all you got to think about too, is the next step too. You can't. It's the next step. Yep. Yeah. The next step. Mm-hmm. It's before too. You, when you're in a, the later parts of a through hike, you're living in a tenth of a mile world. That is it. Okay. If you start looking at, I have 400 miles to Canada, that is, that'll destroy you mentally. You have to break it down day by day, mile by mile. You have to say to yourself, my body is in pain, but I see a tree over there. that's about a hundred yards away. I can walk to that damn tree. You get to do that over and over and over again, and you inch your way across the United States and you make it to Canada. That's how you do it, man. Dude, this is one of my all-time favorite podcasts. This is awesome. This is freaking awesome. Okay, audience questions. We got three here. Okay, I like, I, to, tell, I like to tell my guests, try to answer them in 30 seconds or less. I'll do my best. Parameter. Yep. This one is probably going to be very hard to do it. What perspectives can you share for anyone struggling with addiction to break out of their struggles? Let's go a minute. Let's go 60 seconds for these. Okay. Everybody's different. I know this is a vague answer, but everybody's different, especially as an addict and alcoholic. Okay. What works for me is not going to work for everybody. I understand that when people reach out to me and say, how do I get sober? You have to find that one thing that's going to keep you sober. I don't care if you want to get into crochet. I don't care if you want to get into yoga care if you want to get into through hiking, whatever it is to get you sober through that day, that's what you do. Okay. It's just filling that void that where you're bang with addiction and you quit, you're going to have a void in your life. You need to find something in your life that makes you happy and makes some life worth living. For me, it was hiking. For you, it might be something different. If you need to go to AA to get you sober, go do that. If you need to go talk to a pastor in a church, go do that. If you feel cut ties to your family members, do that. You have to think about yourself and whatever that takes. You have to do that. That's that's the only advice I can give. Love it. Dude, that was so solid. So you take away something, you got to fill it with something preferably healthier, right? Yeah. Healthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was from Water Traveler 13, by the way. I have to I have to say their usernames. I always forget to do that. Dang it. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Second one. Second of three. Trails are calling asks, after all the trails you've through hiked, which one by far speaks the most to your heart? The Appalachian Trail. It was my first trail ever through hikes. It's where I learned about through hiking. It's where I found myself as a hiker was on the Appalachian Trail. If you go back and watch my vlog of that, if you're going to watch the whole vlog, watch that last video. You will see me get up to the Mount Katahdin side at the end of the Appalachian Trail, and I just started bawling my eyes out. That moment for me was the change, the start of the rest of my life, basically. From getting sober and then walking 2,000 miles to get to finish that trail, it was one of the most powerful moments in my life. And that side on top of Mount Katahdin will be burned into my damn memory until they put me in the door. It's, oh, that trail is special, man. That gives me the chills. Give me the chills. Yeah, I, I get that too. It's like your first, it's like your first child. It's like your well, I don't know. I don't have kids, but it's like your first baby. 
You know what or I mean? First love, whatever it is. Yeah. First love, yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Nobo Stone asks, I thought this was a good one. What was your latest tattoo and what's one that you have in mind that you want? That was a good one. Nobo, Nobo Stone is my buddy. That's, that's snazzy. He's one of the guys that finished oh, okay. the PCT. He was with that oh. group. And and I not to call him out, but he's the one padlock that fucking ranger driving. Love it. Right, I, I miss you, buddy. Anyway, tattoos. My last one I got, I think, was this one on my hand. This is actually a audience. Yeah, it's a the grizzly bear on my hand. I got I got this I got this right before I had the scala. And the tattoos I might want to get in the future. It's funny. Aside from I mean my duck will say hike on it. Aside from this, I have no hiking tattoos commemorating any of my long distance hikes. It's just one of those things I put off. It's funny. I had tattoos with booze and everything else on there, but I can tattoos. So I guess I need to commemorate one of these long trails. All of them, I know. Some, I haven't, I haven't thought of an idea I want to get you. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but I'll probably start doing my legs, collage of, of all the trails I've done. We'll see what happens. But yeah, time and money, man. I put all my money in the camera here and go to hike. We're all getting tattoos in the car. Yeah, they aren't cheap, right? Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Dude. This has been such a fantastic podcast, dude. Like I said, what's like probably my favorite podcast. Where can people catch up with you at? And I'll link this in the show notes. So the only social media I do is YouTube and Instagram. YouTube is my trail name, IBTAT, to search that. I've got all my hikes and playlists on there. AT, PCT, CDT, Scotland, heading to Sweden. Here about a month and a half to hike the Kingslade. Those videos will be up after I get back home. And then Instagram is safe by Mounts. Mounts is abbreviated MTNS. I, I haven't been posting a lot lately. I'm taking a little break from that because I was burnt out. But once I get to Sweden, I'll be posting every day on YouTube and Instagram. And you'll, you'll be able to see those photos and videos. Fabulous. Put that down in the show notes and in the YouTube description. Thank you so much, IB Tat. Is there anything you want to say before we cut it out? No, dude. Go quit your job and go hike. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. That's your thank, thank, right there. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, brother. Like I said, I, I need this kind of stuff. When I need to talk hiking. It's it, it vents out a lot of shit in my life. And that's why I do YouTube and vent, vents out, vent, venting things out on the trail keeps me doing this and hearing feedback from people. Is, it means a lot to me, man. It's it's awesome to talk hiking. This, this whole hiker trash lifestyle, it grabs a hold of you, man. It's awesome.